Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Friday, March 18th, and on today's show, we are talking to Matt Bellany about Disney's Don't Say Gay headache in Florida, and whether A24, the hippest movie studio around, is selling out. We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad Bed Cooling System is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com. Dot M-E slash powers, because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Powers That Be Friday edition. Hope your brackets are not busted. I'm joined by my fellow Puck founding partner, Matt Bellany, to talk all things Hollywood. How you doing, Matt? Doing well, yourself. Do you have a bracket? I have, I have several. I have several. Actually, in high school, I was the kid in high school who ran the brackets. I was the the don, the mafia don of March Madness. I would get people to print their brackets out. I would collect the money. I would go through with highlighters like before all this stuff was online. I'm like a college basketball junkie. Ah, so who's your number one in most of your brackets? I think I'm on the Gonzaga train this year. I wish they had won last year. I think they have the talent, experience. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a sports expert here. I'm a, I'm a college basketball junkie. I will say this year, I paid attention a little bit less than in previous years. But I'm always amazed that people pick Arizona because, you know, I watch a lot of Pac-12 basketball yeah. being from the West Coast. And, like, the teams just aren't that good. I mean, maybe nobody's good these days, but I just don't. I have a hard time seeing Arizona go all the way. Yeah, I agree with you on Pac-12, although I'm a homer for UCLA because I'm a – Originally a Cincinnati fan, and Mick Cronin is a Cincinnati guy. I like Houston as a little bit of a sleeper. I mean, you know, I watch a lot of American basketball. They've got some 
experience. They've been there before, you know, and I'm a homer for also the Richmond Spiders because I, I grew up a few blocks away from there and broke into their gym to play basketball when I was little. So go Spiders. Hopefully uh, by the time people are listening to this, the teams that we're talking about have not all been eliminated. <laughs> True. <laughs> Speaking of basketball and sport, you, I just want to plug real quick, are doing a new podcast that everyone should listen to with The Ringer uh, of, of Bill Simmons fame called The Town, where you talk about all, you know, everything that's going on in this town, Hollywood. Tell us a little bit about it real quick. Yeah, it's a little bit of a spinoff from this show and that, you know, the segments you and I did uh, talking about Hollywood, just, that's a whole new show. And we're talking about, you know, basically the things that people inside Hollywood are debating, you know, Netflix, uh, are movie theaters doomed? Um, you know, is anyone going to ever go back to movie theaters? Um, why is Joe Buck worth $20 billion a year? <laughs> Like that. I want to know the answer to that. I don't quite know the answer to that, but I think I have the answer. I mean, it's not really about Joe Buck. It's about ESPN telling the NFL that they care so much about the league. They're willing to pay that amount of money. So the NFL should give Monday Night Football some better games. Gotcha. I'm a Collinsworth guy. Another Cincinnati link. Hmm. Well, speaking of the ringer, you know, Simmons, his, his Holy Cross Crusaders did not make the tournament this year. If you're listening, Bill, go Colgate. Anyway, just to get into actual Hollywood stuff, which is what we like to talk about here at Puck, a huge story for us at Puck is unfolding right now. It is literally at the intersection of politics, media, and Hollywood. And that is the controversy surrounding Disney and the, quote, don't say gay bill that is likely to get signed in, in Florida by Governor Ron DeSantis. Can you give us a little bit of backstory on this? Yeah, this has been a quite a week for Disney. I mean, I, I think that the new, newish CEO, Bob Chapek, did not know what he was getting into when he decided to remain neutral on this law in Florida that's being debated, which would essentially ban schools from discussing gender identity and sexual orientation, definitely in kids third grade and below, but it's sort of vaguely worded, so it could apply to older kids as well. Um, it's been perceived by many as a direct attack on LGBTQ people. Disney has decided, or they did decide, that they wanted to remain neutral on the law despite having 80,000 employees in Florida. This did not go over well at all with those employees and with many LGBTQ groups within Disney. There was a pretty widespread outrage. There was statements flying all over. People at the shareholders meeting called out the CEO. Pixar put out a statement saying that not only is this offensive to them, but whenever they try to put same-sex content into their movies, they're censored by Disney, turned into a pretty hmm. full-blown insurrection by the end of the week to the point where the CEO had to backtrack and then come out and say, no, 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 okay, we're going to lobby against this bill. Of course, that didn't do him any favors with the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, who has used this don't say gay legislation as you know a way to fundraise and get himself on Fox News and a fight with Disney, which he then called a woke corporation. It's exactly what he wanted, um, pointed out that Disney obviously does business in China, which uh, he said is hypocritical. And it's basically turned into a giant hot potato football, whatever you want to call it. And now we're, you know, people are talking about doing walkouts at Disney, where the employees are still upset, even though the CEO has turned his opinion on this subject. It's pretty much a, a classic case of how to not manage the internal politics and external politics at a big media company. I saw it. Chapek said Disney will pause all political donations <laughs> in the state. And some some Democrats and some liberals I follow on Twitter was like, 
no, 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 no. Like, just pause the donations to the Republicans. Like, what are we doing wrong? And not just all the, and not just Republicans, pause the donations to the people that are sponsoring this bill. Mm -hmm. But I think what they're doing there is they're saying they're going to reassess their entire strategy of giving because Disney isn't alone. I mean, most corporations give to people on both sides of the aisle. That's sort of how you do business, as you know, and they've got lobbyists and they have, you know, a lot of business interests in Florida. So it makes sense that they would give on both sides. But increasingly, you know, coming out as neutral on an issue that many employees consider not to be a political issue, but an issue of human rights and equality. That's not really a tenable position for a big media company like Disney, which has, you know, thousands and thousands of LGBTQ employees. And frankly, they had been conditioned by the previous CEO, Bob Iger, to think that the CEO of the company would come out and take a political stand on these issues because Iger did many, many times. He came out against the Georgia heartbeat legislation. He came out against the Trump, you know, Muslim travel ban. He, you know, was a very active politically CEO. Now, Iger himself had some political aspirations and had considered running for president as a Democrat. So it made sense that he would be more active. And the new CEO said, you know what? Disney is for everybody. It's not just for people on one side of the political aisle. I guess, you know, let's just not take a position on that stuff. And that was not going to fly with the employees. You wrote about this this week for Puck, and there's two things I want to ask you about. One is you write that Chapek wants to steer the company from left to center, avoiding political entanglements. And you sort of address that. You also write that you were having dinner last week in Brentwood with Jeff Morrell, who used to work in the Bush administration. That's how I know of him. And... Bob Iger and his wife, Willow Bay, were just sitting across the restaurant and they they hadn't met before and they chatted. What was the tone of that conversation like? So it was interesting because Jeff Morrell is the new chief corporate officer for Disney. And uh, Chapek brought him in as kind of running all the communications, running the government relations, running philanthropy. And it's a somewhat controversial choice within the industry because, as you mentioned, he was a George W. Bush appointee, although he did stay on in the Obama administration. Then he went from there and was the chief spokesman for BP, the oil and gas company. He has given to many, many different Republicans over the past five years, according to federal filings, including Mitch McConnell and you know David Perdue and some of the people that I think a lot of employees at Disney probably are not fans of. Now, it doesn't mean that he can't do his job well, and it doesn't mean that Disney is necessarily going to be more conservative, but it also doesn't surprise me that Disney would try to steer its politics from the perception of it being a left-leaning corporation to the center. And that was a mastermind from the top. And I think what they're finding out is that it's very difficult to do that in this climate because employees expect their company to be supportive of their social causes. They just do in this, it's a creative driven business. Many of the employees that work in these creative businesses have liberal politics and they don't find it acceptable to not take a position on a, an issue that is perceived as a human rights issue. Yeah, I mean, and Chapek's in a tough spot here. I mean, if he wants to steer the company from left to center, um, a new poll just came out from Politico and, and Morning Consult uh, this week that showed obviously a majority of Republicans support the don't say gay bill and majority of Democrats oppose it. Independents support it. Uh, so it's a, it's just a thorny place to be between a, a progressive employee base and public opinion. And then, of course, the governor of your state, who is just a pro-expert 
at stoking culture war. <laughs> he is. And, and that's the thing about this legislation is that it polls really well for DeSantis. So he's not going to give it up. I mean, he got into a whole back and forth with Disney over the flip-flop. And, you know, he's not going to give that up. It gets him on Fox News. It gets him, you know, more fundraising dollars. He's trying to raise his profile even more uh, as he looks at a potential presidential run in 2024. And, you know, getting into a fight with Disney is good business for Republican politics these days. Matt, we're going to take a quick break. But speaking of pushing issues, when we come back, I will push the issue of why I like A24 so much, because I think you're kind of a skeptic. But we'll talk more about A24 on the other side of the break. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be, netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. All right, everyone, welcome back. Matt, I want to talk to you about the New York studio A24. You know, A24 is, for people listening who don't know it, you know, they are behind Moonlight, Euphoria, Minari, you know, Spring Breakers, Eighth Grade. They are the cool kids movie studio. You know, if you are in film school, you love A24. They're sort of like a cool record label. Anytime they drop something new, you want to check it out. <laughs> Matt wrote in his piece about this this week that he was, <laughs> this is like the most hipster story I've ever heard. I once bumped into Greta Gerwig dining with her boyfriend, Noah Baumbach, downstairs at the Polo Bar in New York, and she was wearing an A24 hat. So that sort of like <laughs> portrait kind of describes the audience for A24. But you wrote this week that it had raised $225 million in equity from some investors. They've been kind of like deliberately cool over the, over the last few years and avoided selling out. They've avoided, you know, being very public about how they're raising money or what their plans are. You know, what was telling about this big investment to you? Well, it's it's sort of laid bare what this company, A24, actually is, which is a pretty cold and craven private equity play. Uh, they were initially backed by Guggenheim Partners. Then the investor in Guggenheim left and took the investment with him. Now they have more uh, investors coming in, they have a valuation of $2.5 billion. And I think that, you know, that shocked a lot of people when they're like, wait a second, this, you know, cool Brooklyn company is actually like worth 
2.5 billion. How did that happen? Because they've had a lot of singles. These are not high grossing movies that they released. Yeah. The, the top grossing domestic movie they've ever released was Uncut Gems with the Adam Sandler movie. And that grossed about $50 million. So we're not talking about blockbusters here, but of a certain set of moviegoers, A24 is a powerful brand. You see it like you, you know, you're a fan. You see it and you're like, oh, I'm going to give that a benefit of the doubt. And that's very difficult to create in film and television. People outside of Disney, people don't see a brand and say, oh, that's a universal movie. I would like to go see that. That's a Warner Brothers movie. That's just not the way movies are sold. They're sold based on the title and the star and the auspices and the director. Now, A24 can take chances and do movies and they have an audience that may follow them. Now, it's not a huge audience. And I, I don't know that that library of 100 and so movies that they've released is going to be on the level of library with actual blockbusters in it. But it is meaningful to a certain type of audience. And they've done a great job at managing the brand and growing it. They do no press. They were not quoted in my piece. They are never quoted. Um, they you know, have this ethos. They have a, a ridiculous merchandise website where you can go and buy A24 dog collars and Joya candles and, and, and shirts like that that you will probably see around Silver Lake or Brooklyn. And I just, you know, I think they've done a great job. And it's just, it's just funny to me that they have this branding when, you know, the guy who runs it ran the film finance group at Guggenheim Partners, one of the biggest private equity companies in the world. Yeah, everyone's got to make money. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I just remembered, actually, I have a cooler polo bar story than you. Do you want to hear it? Absolutely. Okay. I was in polo bars where it's like the subterranean restaurant in like on fifth Avenue, New York, right? Yeah, it's like off, it's, it's off fifth Avenue, but, it, but there's an upstairs, but the, the restaurant part's downstairs. Yeah. And it's like, obviously like rich people go there, but like for a while, some very cool people went there and I went to dinner and I remember turning around and at the table next to me was Michael Stipe, bearded, Wes Anderson and Tilda Swinton all like clinking their drinks together. I thought that was, that was like, they were together. They were all having dinner together. I was like, that's, that's pretty cool. Like the, I don't throw the word cool around, but that, that looked pretty cool. That is cool. I'll tell you another funny polo bar story. So, and this is totally unsubstantiated. So please do not, you know, go checking their <laughs> financial records. But a, a good source told me that the polo bar loses tons of money every year. And it is operated by Ralph Lauren as essentially a marketing device. You know, if the people at Polo would like to reach out and tell us what we're wrong, please do that. But I believe that completely. I think that that it, it is a great branding exercise to get those kind of people into, you know, what is essentially a, a pop-up activation for uh, Ralph Lauren. Yeah, that makes, I mean, like as someone who probably would wear an A24 hat, my engagement with the brand Polo uh, starts and stops with Polo Bar. That one time I went there, I do not own polo merch. <laughs> For me, it starts and stops with the polo cologne that uh, a relative gave me when I was 16 and that I probably used once and never did again. Well, if we ever do this podcast in person, I hope you'll wear it. Um, <laughs> it's probably sitting at my parents' house, the same crusty <laughs> bottle from you know, 25 years ago. Yeah, of course. Um, all right, Matt, have a good weekend, man. Thank you. Thank you. And also, everyone, make sure remember to go check out The Town the other new podcast here at Puck that we're quite proud of with our friend Matt here. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. We better be getting some polo merch out of this. 
Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby, and I'll see you Monday. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13. 